Welcome back to the Too Dumb to Quit podcast with Jeremy McCall. Very talented. God awful ugly. <laughs> oh, what's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Monday, Monday. Hope everybody had a good weekend, man. I just got back from uh, Charlotte. I was in North Carolina this weekend out on tour and, uh, man, had some great shows. Um, we've had a run of great shows. I mean, the, the year's been incredible, but a uh, week before last, I was out with Aaron Watson uh, down in Texas and then uh, a band called Shiny Ribs, which um, if you're into kind of the uh, Texas music scene, uh, Shiny Ribs is, uh, is one of my faves. So, um, yeah, just got back. And uh, getting things started on a Monday, so uh, happy Monday. This week, um, we were actually going to have uh, my buddy Cam on the, uh, on the Too Dumb to Quit here, but uh, he had a family emergency this weekend, so uh, my buddy Cam works in NASCAR uh, with the Stuart Haas team, so we want to uh, send out big prayers uh, to him and his family. I know that they're... Um, uh, they had kind of a, a, a family emergency this weekend, so we'll make sure we get Cam back on when it's uh, when it's a better time. So, anyway, I uh, I figured I would jump on here and talk a little bit about um, kind of a cool approach to what I found. Obviously, so with this podcast, you know, the idea behind it was always um, you know shining a spotlight on on people who have persevered uh, during tough. Um, situations or really, really difficult industries, things like that. And um, there are so many great stories and there are so many great books uh, on it, including, you know, uh, 48 Laws of Power and, and Mastery. And both of those are by a guy named Robert Greene. And then um, for me personally, and if you know me and you're around me for more than about 15 minutes, you'll probably hear me bring up uh, stoicism at least once. <laughs> And uh, it's mostly just because it's a life philosophy that has really transformed my life. And um, it's something where, uh, you know, I kind of dove in uh, just headfirst into it. And everything kind of made sense really early on for me. And I know everybody's different. But it really seems to lend itself to really anybody's situation, anything that you're dealing with. If you're going through a tough, uh, tough time. You know, uh, you're going through a loss, you're going through a breakup, you're going through a shitty job that you're tired of, whatever it is. Um, I've found a lot of that in Stoicism. So there's kind of like some main figures of this, right? So, um, you know, the original guys obviously um, date back a couple thousand years. You're looking at the Roman Empire, even pre-Roman Empire. You know, you're looking at uh, Zeno. Uh, you're looking at Marcus Aurelius. You're looking at Epictetus. You're looking at Seneca the Younger. And, uh, and then kind of the modern day, you have guys like Tim Ferriss and you have guys like Ryan Holiday. And, um, and then you have other writers out there that are doing things as well, that, like uh, Donald Robinson, uh, who's over in London, and he's doing these stoic courses. But there's so many uh, great lessons in it that like, you can dabble in it and still change um, your life and your stress level and your worry. And so the one I wanted to talk about today... Um, it's called the canvas strategy and I was reading about it and it really is, um, such a, uh, a great way to look at things. And it's, this is more about allowing yourself to let your ego go. Right. And, uh, this is actually out of a, out of a Ryan holiday book called the ego is the enemy, which if you haven't read it and you're interested 
in, in, in it, uh, in stoicism or in just improving your life and kind of getting a new mindset and a new uh, focus, it's incredible. I take it everywhere with me. It's never more than about three feet from me. And um, in in Ego is the Enemy, there's so, so much stuff. I mean, I've reread it and reread it. But the, the Canvas strategy is one that um, I, I've reread a ton of times. And it really is um, something of... of of being less and doing more, right? As we always want the credit for things. We always, our ego strives for that, right? You want to take credit for the things that you do. And, um, and this is really about being the canvas and not the paint, right? Without, uh, without the canvas, there is no Mona Lisa, right? And so um, this is more about being the thing that holds it together without getting, really kind of without getting the glory. And so just to take you through it a little bit, um, you know, kind of the opening of this is that in the Roman system of art and science, there existed a concept, uh, which there's only like a, only a partial analog for. And I'm kind of reading through this just so I'm making sure that I'm getting it straight. But successful businessmen, politicians, um, rich playboys would uh, subsidize a number of writers, thinkers, artists and performers. So more than just being paid to produce works of art, these artists performed a number of tasks in exchange for protection, food, and gifts, right? And one of the roles was that of an antiambulo, which I think I'm saying that right. It literally means one who clears the path. And they would proceed in front of his patron anywhere that they traveled uh, in Rome. And his job was to make way, to clear space, communicating messages, and generally just making the patron's life easier, right? Hey, clear a path, watch out, coming through kind of a thing. And... Um, there was a, a famous um, marshal fulfilled this role for many, many years, serving for a time under the, the patron Mila. He was a wealthy businessman and a brother of a Stoic philosopher and political advisor, Seneca. And uh, he was born without a rich family. And Marshall also served under a businessman named uh, Petilius. And as a young writer, he spent most of his day traveling from the home of one rich patron to another, providing services, paying his respects, and receiving small token payments in favors in return. Here's the problem. So like most of us with our internships and our entry-level positions, um, uh, this Marshall dude absolutely hated every minute of the job. He seemed to believe that the system somehow made him a slave, and he aspired to be more like a country squire, like the patrons he served. He wanted money. He wanted an estate that was all his own. And there, he dreamed he could finally produce his works in peace and independence. And as a result, his writing uh, often drags with a hatred and bitterness about the Romans' upper crust, from which he believed he was cruelly kind of shunned aside. Um, for all of, of the rage, what, what he couldn't see is that he was in a unique position as an outsider to society that gave him such a fascinating insight into Roman culture that, it's, that survives to this day. Instead of being painted by such a system um, with what he'd been able to come to terms with, what if he could have appreciated the opportunity he was offered? Um, and instead, it seemed to just eat him up, right? And so... I think that that's, a, in, in Ego's the Enemy, it continues on into this, that it's a common attitude that transcends generations and societies. Angry, unappreciated, you know, quote-unquote genius is forced to do the stuff that they don't want to do and for people they don't respect. And as they make their way through the world, they, fear li they feel like it's an injustice 
that they uh, are doing something that's beneath them or below them. And so when you see like in lawsuits where interns are like are suing their employers for pay or um, you see, you know, more kids that are willing to live at home with their parents than to submit to something they're overqualified for. So you go to college, you get this big fancy degree, you can't get a job and you're not going to go work as a janitor somewhere because it's beneath you, you know, Um, and you see it in an inability to meet anyone else on their terms and an unwillingness to take a step back in order to potentially take many, several steps forward. You know, like, I'm not going to let them treat me this way. And I'd rather we both got nothing out of it instead of looking at it, of going, maybe it's worth taking a look at and serving someone else. Because when you go into those roles, you start to learn these things, you know. Um, I kind of equate it to when I I got my start. um, I was playing at this club called Kelly's in State Line, Idaho, which is a club that we own now called Nashville North. But when I started in there, I was running lights. I was sweeping the floor. I was doing anything I could to try to learn everything I could about the building. About And really, I wanted to be on stage. I didn't want to be sweeping the floor. I didn't want to be you know, selling the T-shirts or whatever. But I knew that if I learned that and I did that job good enough, then um, you, know, you would have an opportunity as doors opened. And... I think that um, that's so important, uh, almost as an apprenticeship where you learn, you know, you pay your dues, you do the things that need to be done and you clear a path for yourself. Right. And it's um, it's it is the apprentice model. But everyone from Michelangelo to Leonardo da Vinci to Benjamin Franklin has been forced to navigate a system like this. So if you're going to be, you know, this big deal that you think you're going to be. Um, it, it's kind of a temporary, um, you know, imposition to have to do these jobs. I had somebody tell me one time when, when you first get into the entertainment business, if your boss tells you to go get a cup of coffee for him, you do it like it's the greatest job you've ever had in the world. Because that's, if you play for, it, it's almost like the Bill Belichick thing in sports, right? If you play for the, the logo on the front of the jersey, people are going to remember the name on the back. If you play for the name on the back, you're just playing for yourself. You're not, you know, it's not a team thing. You're not doing it to further the good, you know? And um, so when you start looking at it, that it's not about kissing somebody's ass. It's not about making somebody look good. It's about providing the support so that others can be good. And it's a, you know, the better wording for this is, is finding canvases for other people to paint on, to be the canvas and to clear the path for people who are above you and will eventually create a path for you, right? And, uh, and Ryan Holiday says, uh, you know, when you are just starting out, we can be sure of a few fundamental realities. Number one, you're not nearly as good or as, or as important as you think you are. Number two, you have an attitude that needs to be readjusted. And number three, most of what you know or most of what you learn in books or school is either wrong or t- totally out of date, you know. And um, it's a fabulous way to work uh, through a system to attach yourself to people and organizations who are already successful, right? And kind of, uh, uh, you know, relinquish your identity into theirs to move forward simultaneously, you know? And it's instead of just going out and pursuing your own goals and pursuing your own glory and going, you know, for the touchdown, it's easier sometimes to throw the the five-yard slant that, um, you know, picks up 70 yards. And... Um, So really what it is, is when you start looking at the canvas 
uh, strategy or the canvas approach. There's an old saying, say little, do much. And um, what we really ought to do is update and apply the version to be less and do more. So imagine just if every person you met, you thought of some way to help them, something you could do just for them. And you looked at it in a way that entirely benefited them and not you. If everyone on the planet did that, the cumulative effect that this would have over time would be absolutely incredible. Not only would you learn a ton of solving problems that are totally outside of your wheelhouse, you'd develop a, reg- a, a reputation for being indispensable. Um, you would have so many friends, so many favors, and new relationships to call on down the road. And that's really what the Canvas strategy is about, um, is helping yourself by helping others. Servant leadership. Making a concerted effort to trade your short-term gratification for a longer-term payoff. Uh, Ryan Holiday says, whereas everyone else can get the credit and be respected and you can forget credit. You can forget it so hard that you're glad when others get it instead of you. That was your aim after all. Let the others take their credit on credit while you defer and earn interest on the principal, right? And the strategy part is the hardest because it's easy to get bitter, um, you know, to, to hate the thought of doing something for somebody who you might think you're better than, who you might think you're more talented than. Um, and to despise those who have more means and have more experience or more status than you do. And to tell yourself that every second not spent doing your thing or working on yourself is a waste of your gift. You know, <laughs> like, I will not be demeaned. Um, and once we fight this emotional, egotistical impulse that we all have, the canvas strategy becomes much easier, right? And uh, the iteration, iterations are, uh, are endless. So maybe it's coming up with ideas to hand over to your boss. You find people or thinkers or up-and-comers to introduce them to each other, cross wires to create new sparks. That's some of my favorite things to do, where you find two people who are fucking awesome in what they do. Um, and I've done this a couple times in between a couple different companies that I love, uh, in between uh, Kimes Ranchware and other artists, or, hey, let me introduce you to this guy. And from that, you know, for instance, like um, introducing um, Dan Important and the band Sack Lions to Kimes Ranchware, they hit it off. Um, they, Kimes also introduced him to the, the uh, Black Donnelly's Irish band. They hit it off. And now they all have their own kick-ass relationships and they're all doing these amazing things together. And I love to see my friends do well and I love to see the companies who have supported me and the companies who I love, who have become family, do well also. And so it, I don't have to be a part of all of that shit. And, and I don't have to take credit for it other than going, hey, Dan, you should meet these guys. Their clothes are amazing. They're amazing people. They have a great uh, mission statement. And hey, you guys should know Sack Alliance because they're a kick-ass band and they're great people. And from that, so many things have come around from, you know, um, I mean, my hat deal with Watson's came through Dan Important or, you know, you meet a venue owner where uh, Pogo up in um, up in Wisconsin, where we played through there and through them met our friends over in Sweden and just spent all this time in Sweden and wrote a bunch of songs that are going to be on this new record that I'm getting ready to do. And so it all comes through helping other people. And it, it, it really does transcend and um, allows other people 
to be successful. And I think that finding people, up and comers, crossing wires to create those connections is such an amazing thing to do. And then finding what nobody else wants to do and do it to, um, you know, to go out and beat the road to death, whatever it is. Or maybe you're at a company and, you know, there's uh, there's always, uh, you know, fucking trash in the trash can. Throw it away. It's the little things like that that start to earn, you know, those reputations and, and doing things without needing the credit, getting rid of the ego um, has really been our focus for the last few years of just every decision we make kind of looking at like, uh, you know, what's, what is the uh, focus here? Am I making this decision based because I feel like, um, you know, I'm above this or, or I'm beneath this or, or is it something where I'm making this decision because it's the right thing to do? Um, Finding inefficiencies, waste, redundancies, identify leaks and patches to free up resources for new areas, produce more than everyone else, and give your ideas away. That is a super hard one, especially in this day and age where people are cutting each other's throat, you know. Um, there is a, uh, man, there's a, great, uh, there's a great story in here about Benjamin Franklin. Um, and every, a lot of people know about his uh, pseudonym letters written under the name uh, Silence Do Good. And he, uh, Benjamin Franklin, had tried and tried to get published, could not get published. Nobody would publish him. And um, Franklin wrote those letters, submitted them by sliding them under the print shop door and received no credit for them until much, much later in his life. And it was his brother, the owner, who profited from the immense popularity of the of running these letters on the front page of his newspaper. And Franklin never told him. Um, Benjamin Franklin was just playing the long game and learning how public opinion worked and generating awareness of what he believed in, crafting his style and his tone and his wit. And um, it was a strategy he used time and time again over his career, uh, says even once publishing in his own competitor's paper in order to undermine a third competitor, uh, because he saw the benefit in making other people look good and letting them take credit for their ideas. Uh, going back to sports, Bill Belichick, the four-time Super Bowl winning, oh, well, shit, four-time, six-time? Is it six? I don't know, I have to ask my buddy McSweeney. <laughs> I think it's six. And how are they so fucking good? I watched their game the other night, and I was like, oh, man, the Bills might get them. And what was this, a week ago? I'm, I get so backwards on my uh, on my dates, but... 5-0, and 6-0 and now, uh, I think 5-0, and right? Yeah. Um, and probably going to go on and win another fucking Super Bowl. And, you know, when you look at, like, Belichick, I think he started with the Browns on his first coaching gig, but he made his way up through the ranks of the NFL by mastering the one part of the job that coaches fucking hated at the time, which is analyzing film. And uh, that was, his, oh, his first job in professional football was for the Baltimore Colts. He volunteered to do the job without pay, and his insights, which provided ammunition and critical strategies for the game, were attributed exclusively to more senior coaches. So he was giving his ideas away. He thrived on what he considered grunt work, asked for it, strove to be the best at it, and precisely what others thought they were too good to do. So he was like a sponge, taking it all in, listening to everything one coach said. He said, uh... You give him an assignment, and he disappeared into a room, and you wouldn't see him again until it was done. And then he wanted to do more. Um, as you can guess, Belichick started getting paid pretty quickly after that. <laughs> but helping people be their best and um, 
and being the canvas, not the paint, you know. Um, Belichick's father was an assistant coach for Navy. I didn't know that. Taught himself a critical lesson in football politics that if he wanted to give his coach feedback or question a decision, he needed to do it in private and self-effacingly so not to offend his superior. That's also something that's touched on in um, the book Mastery by Robert Greene, which is when you're an apprentice, when you're coming up, you want to make sure that you're not superseding the master of the craft, the guy that you're learning from. You don't always want people to know that you know as much as you do. And uh, it's not being deceitful. It's not being, you're not hiding anything. What you're doing is you're soaking in the way that it's done currently, and you're trying to find a better way to do it. So in a nutshell, that there is the, uh, it's the canvas strategy. And um, it, uh, discover opportunities to promote other people's creativity. Find outlets Find people for collaborating. Eliminate the distractions that continue to hinder you and your focus and your progress. Um, consider it an investment, you know, in your relationships, in your own development. And the canvas strategy uh, is there for all of us. There's no expiration date on that. That's the thing I love about this. These books, these ideas were written thousands of years ago. And um, it's one of the few things that age does not limit on either side, young or old. You can start it at any time, whether you have a job. Once you get hired, you're doing something else. You're starting something new. Find yourself in, a, in an organization where you're having a tough time, you know. Um, and once you kind of grasp that, and I think uh, it becomes more natural, becomes more permanent, and you let others apply it while you're uh, busy applying it too. So, um, I think that once you can get past your, your own ego, getting past the things that tell you that you're too good to do things, um, it's the person who clears the path, right? Going back to the guy who was clearing the path for the politician. When you are clearing the path, you're the one who ultimately controls the direction. And uh, just like a painting, if you're the canvas, you're the one who outlines the edges. So something to take with you, a little stoicism. And that, uh, for anybody that's interested more on that, that is from Ryan Holiday, great author, Ego is the Enemy. If you don't have time to read it, um, he's got a great YouTube page as well. And uh, you can watch that where they illustrate a lot of the stuff we were just talking about and go even more in depth on the teachings of this. So uh, from time to time, um, I'm going to be trying to bring some stuff like this and um, to the table. So it's the Too Dumb to Quit podcast. My name is Jeremy McComb. Thanks for listening along today. And uh, I hope you have a great week. I hope you go out there and kick ass. And remind yourself to be indifferent to things that make no difference. If there's something that's bothering you, if you can't change it, why the fuck worry about it? You can't change the weather. You can't change outside circumstances. The only thing you can change is your reaction to it. So control your reaction. Control your reality. Control the uh, quality of your thoughts. And you will be surprised how fast stress and worry and shit like that goes away. So thank you for being so kind to me this week. Uh, I do want to tell you about a couple of things. We're getting ready to go back out on the road. I've got about 11 days off uh, here in Nashville, which I'm excited about. We're working on my brand new record going in the studio here in a couple days on Wednesday. So I'm going to be uploading a ton of stuff on my Instagram and YouTube. And uh, we're going to have a little camera crew in there and stuff. So uh, we'll be sharing that with you guys along the way. Also want to talk to you guys again. Um, I just did a video. It was on Facebook. Um, I, I've had so many people 
asking me questions about um, the CBD thing, the the big rap on the side of my bus. And I did a video of it. It's over on my uh, Facebook page, which is um, uh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy McComb Music. I think Facebook.com backslash Jeremy McComb Music is the artist page. And I, I reposted the video from the MyPureHempCBD.com Facebook page. Basically just answering a lot of questions I was getting from a ton of my friends. And so if you're somebody who is in constant pain or discomfort, you know, whether it's a hard time sleeping or you're anxious or there's just so many different things that I got um, tested for, you know, when I was having kind of this radiating pain. And um, if you're dealing with that kind of stuff, arthritis, sleeplessness, joint, you know, discomfort, things like that. Um, and you're looking for something that doesn't involve prescription medication. Obviously, CBD is has not been evaluated or anything like that to, to um, you know, on the FDA standards. But I can tell you that from my experience with MyPureHempCBD.com, it changed my life in so many ways and um, all for the positive. And again... This isn't something that I'm making any any money off of. I have no hand in the business, but it's something where I think, again, that people could benefit from it. So do your own research. Everybody reacts differently. It doesn't get you high. It has no psychoactive effects. It's just something, um, you know, that you can research on your own. If you have questions, reach out to my friend Robin at uh, MyPureHempCBD.com. She can answer any questions you have, and uh, hopefully it would have a positive effect on you if you need it. Uh, like it did for me. Also, is that everything? I think so. Going to the studio. Uh, what else? Getting ready to go back on the road. We have some amazing uh, shit coming together for next year and some big announcements. So uh, please, if you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and uh, we're going to have some more guests next week. Um, I don't know if we've got it confirmed yet, but we've got a uh, um, some more music industry insiders coming up next week here on the uh, Too Dumb to Quit podcast. So, uh, tag three of your friends and uh, make sure you're liking uh, the uh, Facebook pages and Instagram and all that shit. So thank you guys for the time. Happy Monday. Have a great week. Take care of each other and remember to enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. We're all going to die eventually. So you might as well enjoy it while you're here. Have a great Monday, everybody. Smooch. <laughs>